second. Lag there. Pow! Yes! What's up, everybody? Welcome to or welcome back to Tuesday Bro Tuesday. You know, this used to be a live call-in show. And uh, wait, how do you know even what show you're watching? Uh, there's the logo right there. Tuesday Bro Tuesday. Welcome back. Tuesday Bro Tuesday, you guys. Like I always say, it used to be a live call-in show, and now I think I'm technologically prepared to maybe travel down that road again someday. But uh, what we do nowadays is we sort of unpack some news as it relates to the world of vaping, tobacco, tobacco control, tobacco harm reduction, and the such as. We do sometimes get a little bit political on this show, although I try to avoid a lot of real divisive sort of political talk, but it happens from time to time. Freedom guy, first and foremost, I'm a freedom guy. I'm a registered libertarian. So that's the lens that a lot of this news is going to get viewed through. And today on Tuesday Bro Tuesday, we have uh, we have a very special guest. We have a very special guest that I'm going to be bringing on very, very shortly. But I wanted to put uh, I wanted to put a few things out there first. Um just a few news items first. Uh, first and foremost, uh, as Jim reminded me, there is still an active uh, CASA. Oh, hang on, hang on. Yep, there it is. No, 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 that's it. There you go. There, I found it. There's still an active CASA call to action. Uh, no, let me get down. Sorry, this is the wrong call to action. Vape mail. There is still an active vape mail call to action. Uh, S-1253 still needs to be voted on. I believe it has not been voted on just yet. And CASA does still have an active call to action for that. So we're going to be posting some links down in the description of this video. I'm going to post a link here. Boom, in the chat right there. Addy Tooney, appreciate you being here. If you want to add that to the link repertoire that's going on. There is still an active call to action for the vape mail, which seems uh, seems weird, especially on PMTA Eve, which happy PMTA, PMTA Eve, by the way, everybody. Seems weird to try to have a vape mail ban uh, post PMTA, but hey, what do I know? I'm not the government. There is also this little bit of news that I wanted to share with everybody. The documentary, You Don't Know Nicotine, has now an official world premiere. It's happening in Milwaukee, Saturday, September 26, 2020. Uh, it is the You Don't Know Nicotine world premiere drive-in experience. I'm going to post a link in the description to this Facebook page, this Facebook event. In fact, I'm going to post this link right here as well. There we go. It's in the chat if you want to add that to the rotation as well, Addy Tooney. But uh, this is it. I mean, this is what uh, a lot of people have been waiting for. I was a Kickstarter backer for this. Uh, I got interviewed for this, and I'm really excited for this You Don't Know Nicotine movie to uh, to finally be out there in the world. Uh, I know that uh, Aaron is planning different premieres uh, in different areas, and this is going to be the first big one uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the drive-in experience. It's going to be a drive-in. It's not going to be sitting in a movie theater. But like I said, I'll have some links down in the description where you can check that out if you're interested. I think that's uh, I think that's really exciting. I think this movie is going to be nothing but awesome, and I really hope it gets uh, 
I really hope it gets the support and views that it is uh, deserving of. But uh, uh, the person that we have today as my guest is the uh, prolific, I know I described Michelle Mitten that same way, but the prolific Jim McDonald. He writes for Vaping 360. He's, he's, a, he's a veteran here in the vape industry, and he's here to talk about us, talk about us, talk with us today about some some hot PMTA action. Welcome, Jim. How are you doing today? Hey, nice to see you. I'm doing okay. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for being here. Um, I've been saying that you're a PMTA subject matter expert, although you don't like me calling you that. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a that's a um, big shoes to fill. It's, well, it, it's it's I think the shoe fits though. I mean, I think the shoes f- fit your feet very well. Um, I follow you on Twitter. I read all your all, all your articles you do for Vape and Three Hundred and Sixty. For those of us that you know, for anyone here that's not uh, familiar with you, why don't you just give us a little rundown? Who you are? What do you do, Jim McDonald? Yeah, I. I um... I'm Jim McDonald. Yeah. I, I'm, I um, write for Vaping 360. I have been since early 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the best job in the world because they basically let me choose what I'm writing about most of the time and give me all the time I need to write it. So um, thanks to those guys. Vaping 360, by the way, is a website primarily aimed at the American vaping market but it's located in germany ah so, oh i didn't know um, that yeah my bosses are in uh, brunswick germany and my immediate boss jeremy mann the editor-in-chief is in detroit on the on the other side of detroit from me i'm on the west he's on the east oh i see and you like writing yeah. for you like writing for vaping 360 i've seen i mean i've read i think i've read everything you've written for vaping 360 I, I don't believe you. When I call you prolific, I mean it. You've done a lot. Uh, and I mean, predominantly, what do you cover over there? I mean, you, you cover regulatory stuff, PMTA stuff. Yeah, legal and advocacy kind of stuff is really, you know, what I'm writing most about. So laws, rules, um, that kind of stuff, which there's plenty of. Yeah, it and, seems to uh, be a nonstop. Yeah, but I write about other stuff too. Lately, I've written some stuff about um, CBD and uh, cannabis and hemp law. And um, I also have written some SEO articles, you know, about various topics. So, um, you know, I spread myself around, but I've written something like 800 articles for Vaping 360 or maybe 900. Well, maybe I haven't read all of them you know way to put me on the spot i definitely yeah. have not read 800 articles. i don't think i've read all of them <laughs> that doesn't matter you wrote all of them well yeah. we're here more or less today <sighs> pmtas jim mcdonald the freaking pmtas it's pmta finally. eve they're they're finally here i mean some of us have been around to, uh, long enough to remember 8 8 2016 and that seemed yeah. like it was going to be the end of the world. Uh, and didn't it start earlier than that? Wasn't the de- wasn't the first deeming rule in yeah. 2013? 2014, they uh, okay. they issued the the uh, draft rules, which people then commented on. And then two years after that, they came out with the final rule. It is PMTA Eve, and I haven't even trimmed the tree. 
I know. I haven't put up any decorations or anything. I know. I've been so busy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. And you, you've been vaping long enough to remember before that when, you know, the FDA damn near killed vaping right before it even started. Yeah. Now that, so yeah, I mean, that's going way back in the vape world time machine, but they wanted, correct me, because I'll probably be wrong. They wanted vapor products to be drug delivery devices, correct? Uh, And I don't remember the judge's name, but he ruled, I don't refresh my memory on what happened there. Do you remember what happened um, there? The FDA started seizing products. Yes. And uh, um, a couple of manufacturers sued the FDA. One of those manufacturers dropped out before the end of the suit, but it wound up being Sotera, which is the company that made Enjoy. Mm-hmm. And they won. And Judge, um, huh. no, I can't think of his name either. I can't never remember. Leon? Was it Judge, Judge Leon? Leon? Judge it's Leon. Judge Leon. Yeah, Richard Leon. Pulled that out of thin air. Uh, ruled against the FDA. And then the Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the ruling. And the FDA said, fine, if that's the way you're going to be, we'll regulate you as a tobacco product. Because it had to be one of the two. It couldn't have been anything. I mean, I feel like they could have gotten off too much. It could have been something brand new and avoided all of this malarkey. But they, you know, the FDA, uh, the FDA Center for Tobacco Products had just been created after that lawsuit started. The lawsuit started before the FDA had the rule; it had uh, authority over tobacco. So the brand new FDA Center for Tobacco Products said, "We intend to uh, regulate e-cigarettes as tobacco products, and tune in in three years for your DB rule." Yeah, and you know, it would have been. I feel like it would have been a completely different landscape if that had gone the other way, and these were drug delivery devices, I don't think we would see the vape industry that we have today even, right? Would have been nipped in the bud. Wouldn't have happened. Yeah, wouldn't have happened. I mean, uh, big pharmaceuticals would have taken over and then that would be that. No vaping. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. And I so, mean, if it, if it managed to gain a foothold in other countries, it probably would have been hard to keep it from coming here eventually. Mm-hmm. But it certainly wouldn't have taken off like it did here. Because that was, you know, right after that ruling, that's when vaping started growing by leaps and bounds. That's yeah. when all the innovation uh, happened. That's when that's when there was such a thing as a vaping community. I mean, it all came together right after that. Yeah, it really did. It would have been such a, di- you know, and people always ask, what? Why is it a tobacco product? Why is it? Why did we settle for that? And I keep saying, we we didn't settle for that. We were thankful. Yeah. That, that we became a tobacco product because if we hadn't, you know, like you said, it, it just would have been donezo, would have been game over. Yeah. I, you know, there's not, you know, a lot of the people who were vaping back then, and I wasn't, by the way, I didn't start vaping till late mm-hmm. in 2012. But um, a lot of those people who were around, like you, um, you know, I'm, I'm a board member at CASA, so I know some of them, like Kristen, uh, oh, Noel yeah. Marsh, and and Julie Wessner, yeah, they were vaping in 2009. Yeah. And, um, you know, they thought that it was all going to come crashing down at that moment. It was mm-hmm. a much worse threat than we face right now. Yeah. Much worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I remember the one now is pretty rough. The one now is pretty rough, but I remember 
I remember shops, uh, you know, my wife worked at the time for a company that had all of their products seized at the border by the FDA coming in from China. And they, it was one of those, all right, well, I guess we kind of have to like half shut down now because we have no products to sell. It was a scary time. That's what, that's what exactly what happened. Yeah. And then again, you had, um, it wasn't too long after that in California, the legislature voted to basically ban vaping products yeah. and yeah. Governor Schwarzenegger vetoed it. Yeah. That, that is the exact, that is the moment. That is the catalyst for why I started caring about advocacy. Because if you go on YouTube at that time in 2010, I was, there was, nobody was talking about it. I was the only one, it came on my radar somehow. And I said, okay, you guys, I think they're trying to ban, like, I didn't know anything about it. I said, I think they're trying to ban vaping in California. So I don't know what we can do. We should probably do something. And then I did a follow-up video saying, oh, well, it got vetoed. So Christ, you know, bullet yeah. averted, crisis averted. But yeah, California right out of the gate, just tried to ban vaping outright. That was, uh you were really lucky that it didn't happen too. Who is the attorney general then? Was it Kamala, Kamala Harris? Uh, I don't know, but that is a good question. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I don't know yeah. who it was. All I remember from that is they tried to ban it. And then the governor, he's, you know, he basically said, no, adult choice, you know, he, cause he's a big cigar smoker, you know? Yeah. And so he didn't want to see, he, he said, if adults want to, smoke cigars or use vaping products, then they should be allowed to. And I'm going to veto this. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know the backstory on that, on that at all, but it seems to me just not knowing anything about it, that he just made that decision based on principle. There wasn't any lobbying by anybody or anything. No, as far as I can remember from following it, it was, that's all it was. Yeah, that's, all it that's was, quite was a just thing. Principle. That doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. And it was, you know, like you said, everybody, I mean, this was really early on. This was before the first, the first ever like national vape convention or anything. This was really, yeah. really early on. And uh, I just remember breathing a huge sigh of relief thinking, Whew, that was close. But from here on out, this is going to be tough. Yeah. You, <laughs> you were know, right. This is going to be tough. Right. This is going to be yeah. tough. I wish I wasn't right, but I kind of knew this was going to be a big uphill battle and we're still fighting it. Yeah. We're here on PMTA Eve. The date is finally here. The date that kept yeah. getting moved around and the goalposts kept getting moved. And oh, now it's May. And, oh, no. Now it's 2022. Oh, now it's September. <laughs> like, uh, let's i mean can we put together a little bit of a timeline like how did we come to this how did we get here yeah well the first date i mean the, in 2016 the deeming rule came into effect right and in september of that year they cut off new products no new products can be introduced yeah. unless they have a pmt be, before they come on the market right but, and of course that's exactly what happened. And nobody, nobody introduced any new products after that. Yes, that's exactly um, what happened. <laughs> yeah. And the date, um, the date for um, PMTAs to be submitted by everybody who had products on the market before that cutoff was set as August 8, 2018. Um, then in 2017, new... Um, FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb. Scotty. 
Scotty, Scotty, Scotty moved the deadline from 2018 to 2022. Four-year break for the vaping industry. And that just seemed completely arbitrary. He, he just, oh, we're going to move the date. And, and I feel like there was no well, logic or reason behind it. He just did it. Or any Administrative Procedure Act deliberations that are required by law. So after that happened, the um, American Academy of Pediatrics, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, Truth Initiative, the Heart Association, the Lung Association, you know who we're talking about here. Yeah. The whole crew sued the FDA for arbitrarily coming up with that date and not going through the required procedures. And they won in 2019. And the judge said, okay, um, how long do you need at a minimum to put this into effect? The FDA said, we can't do it in less than 10 months. And he said, okay, 10 months. So that was May of this year. And then in May, they asked for a delay based on uh, coronavirus pandemic problems right. with logistics and and they got that so that's 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 the short version there were some other changes in there too um, yeah and you know and when Scott Gottlieb it seems like the FDA I don't want to say purposefully but it feels like they really drug their feet on doing any sort of implementation of any regulations it feels like, to me anyway, being an outsider, it feels like they just let it get really bad and then tried yeah. to step in and say, ah, you know, even Scott Gottlieb oh, said, I... youth vaping's up. And if this trend continues for another year, then we're going to have to take swift action because it's not worth the, the public health. You know, as many adults that will quit, we can't risk the youth. Yeah. The youth are just so, those poor kids. They're those just getting poor kids. battered around by the by the terrible marketing of the vaping industry. Yeah, who um, knew? Bright colors. So and... <laughs> Gottlieb is an interesting case because, uh, you know, he did something really big. That four-year delay was, you know, that wasn't coming except for him. If it wasn't for Gottlieb, we'd be two years into the PMTA requirements yeah. already. Already. Um, so thank him for that. And um, but then you know he went on to to be the bearer of the bad news about the vaping epidemic that was sweeping the nation. Yeah. And you know, yeah. That they didn't even but really the, need to um, prove the, the epidemic, did they? Well, no, they said it was an epidemic before they had any proof. Yeah. Later on, the proof came out and, you know, the proof is pretty iffy. But if pretty you iffy, look at that, putting it lightly. <laughs> you, you look at that 27.5% number and don't look any closer than that. And it's pretty eye popping. And that's what most people saw. So, uh, you know, I don't know what to say about that anymore. It's just been beaten to death, but. Yeah. That those numbers have been distorted and and abused to to hurt vaping, and you know that was the whole intention. That was yeah. Well, that was the whole intention, and you just yeah. did this huge piece, huge piece. Maybe we can give people the Cliff Notes version because it's a lot to read, Jim McDonald. 
It's a lot yeah, to read. I know. It was supposed to be four separate articles. Yeah. It was supposed to be four. And they were going to come out like four weeks in advance, three weeks in advance, two weeks in advance. But, if, you know, I'm not that organized. So it's, it's it all a came out at once. Yeah. <laughs> it's a novel. But thankfully, there are quick links in there. So, I mean. There are. We're here. There's nothing. I mean, we're here. Tomorrow's the deadline. That's it. Uh, the FDA grossly underestimated how many applications they'd be getting. I mean, I've seen them yeah, say this originally. On they said twenty-five. Twenty-five total applications. Twenty-five a year for the first two years. <laughs> then they then two years later they upped it to seven hundred and fifty. And that's not applications. That's the SKUs they expected to to be reviewing. I mean, so if you, you know, that would include uh, all the Altria flavored nicotine pouch SKUs, and sure, you know, that sure. stuff takes up a lot of that's. So they didn't expect they didn't expect the small vaping companies to apply at all. Not at all. But I mean, all these small uh, liquid companies and manufacturers and whatnot have had their products, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've had their products registered with yeah. the FDA. So the FDA has to have like some idea of the number of SKUs and products that are out there. Well, yeah, I think uh, I think they have an idea now. In 2016, they didn't know what was coming. There's 400 million SKUs registered. Yeah. According <laughs> according, according to Mitch Zeller. I mean 400 million it, SKUs and they're expecting 750 applications. Well, I think the 750 number came well before they had any clue about the 400 million SKUs, but it doesn't even matter. Yeah. They 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 don't have I don't know. Well, I don't think they have the ability to look at, you know, any number of these no, things. Certainly not. So, certainly not. And I've heard that you know I've heard from a few informal sources, and I'm you know I'm friends with some liquid manufacturers and shop owners and this that and the other. Uh, but I've heard through some informal sources that the the FDA is kind of being very, you know, just just get it in, just get your application in. Just get it in. Yeah. They're kind of accepting. It's like you just need your HPHC and an application. And, and as long as you get it in, then that's at least like a, a jumping off point. How accurate is that? Well, the HP, not many of the small companies have HPHC testing done yet. Okay. So that's that's like a super expensive thing. And there's no labs. Yeah, all the you labs know, there's are. There's only a few labs in the United States that are, that are um, accredited by the FDA to do that testing. And they're busy. Yeah. And and they also have employees staying at home because of COVID and so forth. So there's a lot of problems with that. And some people say that it might take years for them to catch up with the, just the, just that testing, the all the toxicology testing that has to be done. Um, but the FDA is telling companies to turn stuff in. Uh, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. First, first, there was Amanda Wheeler. Okay. Um, Amanda Wheeler is like a force of nature. Yes. Who has big fan. Um, te teamed up with Azeem Chowdhury, the um, great regulatory attorney from Keller Heckman in Washington. Yep. And they have essentially lobbied the HHS and the White House on their own 
not as part of any organization really, um, to get some relief here. And it looks like the FDA may have been pressured somewhat by the HHS to slack off on how they're going to deal with applications. And that's a good thing. Okay. Um, because if the FDA will accept applications tomorrow that are not anywhere close to containing all of the stuff that they recommend in their industry guidance, mm -hmm. then that means these companies will have some kind of a break. Maybe it'll be 90 days for some people. Maybe it'll be a year. Um, one of the FDA things that um, actually it was Zeller's statement. Oh, now I'm mixing myself up. Anyway, one of the things that came out in the last week from the FDA said, um, if you get things in and you can like arrange with us to set up a plan to get the stuff that isn't complete um, sent to the FDA eventually, that we may not even enforce against your company after the one year review period is up. So if people are really serious about doing this and making a good faith effort and staying in communication with the FDA, that's the trick. Right. Um, the FDA may give them a break from enforcement even after the one-year grace period um, is up. Because everybody who sends in an application that's accepted for substantial scientific review uh -huh. gets up to one year or whenever the FDA makes a decision to stay on the market. So they get to stay um, on the market for that year that their application is under review. That's correct. But the FDA is now saying, if you do that and your application is missing parts, but you stay in contact with us, show us how you're working to complete them, that we won't enforce against your company after the one year. Oh, okay. So, you know, we don't know what that means. Nobody knows what any of this means. Yeah. Um, seems really vague. Well, that doesn't seem like the FDA, Nick, really. They wouldn't be vague. They're always very specific and give you details. Here's very what Very specific and efficient. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that play into this extension that was requested that Keller and Heckman wrote up uh, for a certain group of small manufacturers, you know, due to COVID? The response that I saw from the FDA seemed more or less like, well, tough shit, you know. We're, yeah. Well, get, they're not going to give them, they're not going to give them a formal, uh, break because first of all the fda to do that has to go back to the judge who remember ruled against them and imposed the deadline they have to go back to the judge and request permission for any extension okay so the fda is is telling companies basically we're not going to give an extension what we are going to do is give you a, if you get stuff in by september 9th we're going to be very lenient with you as far as sure. what happens next sure and and so didn't uh, didn't Judge Grimm, no relation by the way, didn't Judge Grimm say uh, that they could take this on like a case by case basis? Yeah, they can make decisions. They can't grant a blanket extension, extension. for everybody. Sure, they can't grant. They can't. Uh, they can't like um, say okay, every company under a million dollars gets like an extra year. They can't do anything like that. 
Right. But on an individual basis, they can basically do what they want. And they're indicating now or they're signaling that they will do that for people that are taking this seriously, getting stuff in, staying in communication. The way I see that is, I don't know if you've ever had like a large debt, like a hospital debt or something like that. Sure. They're less likely to send that to collections oh, okay. or, you know, something like that. If you're constantly calling them saying, I'm going to miss this deadline, but I'll get it in by. Yeah, but I'm trying, I'm making the effort. That's right. Making the effort and making the effort goes a long way. It, just indicating that you're, you know, that you seem willing to do it. It's probably helpful. Of course, the question is they need to get a hold of the FDA to tell them that they're working on it. Is anybody going to answer the phone? Because these guys are going to be pretty busy. Yeah. Well, and they're hiring like crazy from what I understand on Twitter. It seems like they're hiring a lot of people just for this this process, this bureaucratic process. Yeah, you'd almost, doesn't it make sense that they would have hired them like two years ago? Yeah, and got them up to speed you know, <laughs> on what's going on. But I don't even think the FDA knew what their plan of attack was at that time. Yeah, I don't, I, I think the FDA doesn't. I think that they got into this with the belief that nobody was going to really challenge them and that all this was just going to roll out the way they said in 2014 and then 16. Um, <laughs> right. And that it would be smooth sailing for them. And right. boy, were they wrong. Confidently incorrect, I would say, at that Very point. Very wrong. Very incorrect. And they, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> there's a lot, a lot of people need to be um, given credit for that. A lot of people in the vaping industry have worked super hard mm -hmm. to make that happen. And they, it's really just a matter of like getting on the radar and making people aware that we're out there. I think it's to the point now where even though um, the general narrative in the news is negative about vaping, you don't hear very many good things. No. I still think the FDA would look really bad if they just like crushed all these companies. If they just said, sorry, you're finished. Yeah, they might. You know. Do they care though? Would they care about? I think they care how they look. Yeah. If they don't, I think the HHS people do. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, and so much of this we just don't know. But I mean, I don't think that if people think that tomorrow there's just going to be like a switch turned off and everything's going to go away, that's right. not at all going to happen. That's, that's, yeah, that's certainly not the case. And that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to touch on was it's not uh, the apocalypse. It's not the end of the world. There was a tweet no. I saw from you not not too long ago uh, that I used in one of my vlog videos at the beginning that said, uh, my advice, I'm paraphrasing, it said, my advice would be for vape shops to stay open. You know, please don't close because of this. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. that's kind of a hard sell, uh, you know, if yeah. you're a vape shop and you're signing a new lease, so much uncertainty going on. Yeah. The leases are a problem. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not giving legal advice to anybody. Sure. Sure. I would, I would have a very hard time signing like a two or three year lease that didn't at least have like a, a clause that let me get out of it. If the federal government decided to like destroy my business. 
but um, you know, I don't have any advice for those people. That's that's a tough choice. Yeah. But if you don't have to sign a new lease, you already have an existing long-term lease or a month-to-month lease. I wouldn't close. I, I, I mean, I don't think the FDA is going to get around to enforcing in vape shops for a long time. If yeah. If they ever do. If if ever, ever, right? That's what I keep coming back to. I feel like if they're hiring people to j- just now, <laughs> just to review these PMTAs that are going through the process, how on yeah. earth are gonna, they going to get to enforcement unless it's yeah. done on a very local level? I mean, just to play devil's advocate, that could be a yeah. possibility. So Zeller announced that um, they are going to produce a list of products that have um, been accepted for, for further review. Sure, yeah. Um, and that was requested by um, the convenience store associations and um, uh, the VTA. I mean, partly because stores want to know what products they can confidently bring in that won't be seized and destroyed, you know, or whatever. That's fair enough. But I don't think that list is going to be ready for a long time. Right. I don't think they're going to have a list anytime soon. I don't think it's, I think it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it's like at the FDA, but based on the number of companies that are applying Mm -hmm. and based on the FDA's previous history, I don't think that they're going to even get through the basic review of these applications for months and months. Much less compile a list, yeah. release it publicly. Uh, you know. And one thing yeah. that I keep coming back to, and I mentioned this to Matt not too long ago, was it feels like with this list, which this list was pushed for by people like Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids to make this, oh, yeah. this kind of thing public, it feels like they, they just want us to tattletale on each other. That's, well, I, I think there's going to be plenty of that. Um, sad to say, I, I think there's going to be, there are some companies that um, have already had PMTAs accepted for substantial, sub, substantive review. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a hard time with that word for some reason. Su- what is it? Substantive? Substantive. Substantive. Yeah. I always want to say substantial and. That's Which not means it. the same thing, really. But <laughs> you anyway. Have to, you have to use FDA speak here. Yeah. So there are some companies that have had their PMTAs accepted for further review. I'm just going to say further. Yeah. And um, they've said publicly that we're going to work with the FDA to get rid of the bad actors. Right. And the bad actors are people who can't afford a PMTA but still want to stay in business. Right. So um, if, if, if people are going to, you know, work against each other like that, even though some of these companies are bigger, they have like investors, Yes. you know, they're, they consider themselves like serious businesses. Sure. Greg Greg Conley says they think they're big shots because they've got their PMTA. Right. Well, and I mean, you know, to play devil's advocate, if, if the tables were turned and I had a liquid company and we had all of our ducks in a row and we spent the money and we did the research and we got the testing and we put our PMTA in, I would feel like, well, what's with these guys that, yeah, fair enough. You know, it's it's a valid point of view. You can't, you can't like say that they're just full of shit because they're the ones following the law. 
Yes, exactly. But I'm more like a punk rock anarchy kind of guy. So, yeah, I'm the same you know, way. I'm 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 good with the Wild West. Yeah. I don't think that there's going to be any serious problems with black market e-liquid. And I'm I'm good with black market growing. Yeah. And I, you know, I but whether or not it'll even have to, I don't know. It depends on the enforcement. Now you're going to have some states and localities that are going to pass laws that that impose fines or other penalties on businesses right. that sell products that aren't FDA compliant. Right. Non. And, yeah. Non. And those are the places products. where you're really going to have to worry about it. Yeah. I think there's going to be large swaths of the country where the local authorities are just not going to give a shit about enforcing the law against. I, I feel like against black market e-liquid and so. i feel like it's just going to be too much work you know too much effort i mean how are you going to get a, a local guy who goes into one vape shop he's going to spend all day there what checking skews every I single skew that they, they have in the house against his golden master list from the fda i mean that's how they're going to have to enforce this I, I think they will. And, you know, depending on how much leeway the FDA gives small manufacturers, there might be a lot of SKUs. So there might be thousands of SKUs mm -hmm. that get to substantive review and would go on that list that they would have to go and check against the stock in a vape shop if they were, you know, asshole enough to enforce store by store bottle by bottle sure they might be well you know <laughs> no. yeah they might be and it might i they mean might it, it kind of makes you think like maybe that i mean chances are they're going to make examples of some people right like they're gonna have to pick a couple of vape shops or a couple of manufacturers to just be made examples of saying oh well, see we, we are enforcing this and i i mean that that'll That'll probably happen, and, but some of the places where that would be certain to happen already have like flavor bans. Sure. How much effort is the state, how much money is the state or cities or whatever gonna wanna put into going and dealing with this list when they already have nothing but tobacco flavors in the shops, um, in theory. And, um, I, you know, I just don't see it. I see like California just passed a flavor ban yeah. New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, uh, and you know, little old Rhode Island. But yeah. I mean, these places already have, they, they think they've taken care of the problem. And frankly, that's what Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids and their buddies um, see as the solution anyway, a flavor ban. They might want this list, but I don't think they really care about it. They just want all flavors banned. Right, right. Right. So how much effort they're going to put into that, I'm not sure. Greg, for example, doesn't seem to think that they're going to care that much about um, pushing the enforcement. If they're going to go into states and invest their resources, they're going to ask for flavor bans. And really, that's what's going to happen next year. You're going to see a lot of flavor bans. A lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Proposed. Unfortunately, I, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I, we know, though, from San, you know, from using the example of San Francisco, when they enacted their flavor ban, uh, they, you know, they did this whole study on it, and it didn't reduce 
the, anybody's ability to get flavored e-liquid or tobacco products, and, and it just raised smoking rates. <laughs> it seems like a, a pretty so cut and dry win-win. thing. That, so what, that, right. So what yeah. you're saying is it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a win-win. You well, increase your you increase your tax income and get rid of the horrible flavored uh, products. They yeah. don't. I, I don't think these people really care if people vape uh, or smoke for that matter. Yeah. They just want to get their way because their business is being um, influential. Sure, sure. So Matt Myers is extremely influential in Washington. And he is the king of tobacco control. And that just upsets me. <laughs> yeah. Matt Myers is, is, um, is the master of his universe. And he loves it. Yeah, and I bet. I don't know that he wants it to come to an end if everything, you know, everybody quits smoking and it's, man, it's just not really a big issue anymore. Thanks, but see you later. Yeah. Well, and you know, I said this on Twitter and I feel like the goal of campaign for tobacco free kids should be to become useless, to become irrelevant, unnecessary. Right. Yeah. And one of my subscribers put it really well on Twitter when he said, well, you know, you know, what's the point of a dragon slayer when there's no more dragons left to slay? Yeah, that's David Sweeney's line. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, that it's right. It, it's right. They're, they are dragon slayers. And, you know, people all say, oh, it's all big tobacco's doing everything and it, they're behind everything. Really, it's these people. And uh, it may benefit big tobacco sometimes, not always, what they do. But they're in it for their beliefs. They really believe that what they're doing is right. Um, you know, and they, they really think that um, the country would be better if we just followed along and yes. banned everything. Yeah, just ban- they really hate the, They really hate the tobacco companies. They really do. I know. They, I mean, to a fault. They hate the tobacco companies to a fault. I mean, and even Matt Myers has that quote from 2006 where he basically predicts vaping. He said, if, you know, if there was a product that gave you the same satisfaction, but didn't kill you or that addicted, what did he say? Addicted 45 million people, but didn't kill anybody, then you'd have caffeine and I'd take that deal. Yeah. Well, here we are. I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He basically predicted Well, we're calling your bluff, Matt. Yeah. And, and you failed. Yeah, completely yeah, failed. He, he's something. So he also told, um, I can't, I can't give you. Yeah, I hate to say stuff that I can't give you a reference for because if Michelle sure. Minton's watching, she's gonna say, "Show me that reference." Yeah, sure. But yeah. Um, Amelia Howard told me, so I'll do it that, that way. That there's a quote of Matt Myers talking to some, I believe it's state legislators, who are who's. Um, I don't, I don't remember the question, but what he said was, oh, don't worry. There'll always be enough people who smoke to pay the way. What? Wow. Wow. He basically told them, I think it might've been about the master settlement. Don't, don't worry about that money running out. There'll always be smokers. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Well, that's something that, uh, you know, I, I, 
we brought up with Michelle when Michelle Mitten was here too, is that one of their goals, I mean, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, the American Lung Association, it's always to secure their funding. That's always yeah. one of their main goals. They always bring it up at the end. It's like, oh, well, we're doing all of this great stuff, you know, and we have to secure our funding for the, yeah. you know, no no conflicts of interest there. Yeah. Then along came Bloomberg. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, just the, just the endless sugar daddy. Yeah, unbelievable. How much do you think you'll need to get rid of these flavored e-cigarettes? All 160 million ought to do. Yeah, that ought to serve okay. just fine. Yeah. Okay, here Let you me go. Just write the check. <laughs> and, and that's what they did. Yeah, so, that's all you need is money the guys and just then got to like, pin it on the kids. You know, people shouldn't have that much money that they can just blow it like that. <laughs> <laughs> or if they do, use it for something. I don't know. I don't want to get off on a whole thing here. Use it for something noble. I mean, you know, homeless well, veterans. Why doesn't Bloomberg just go homeless veterans? Not on my watch. Here's a hundred sixty yeah. billion dollars. You know, instead of you, you're enjoying you know, flavored vapor. Not on my watch. That's the stance he took. There's not that many homeless veterans either. He could he could buy them all an apartment for ten yeah years. easily. He could buy them all an apartment ten times over. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, that's a good example of the kind of things that they could be doing with that money. Yeah, but they think it's no. They think what they're doing is noble. They really do. And, yeah. Well, Mike um, Bloomberg, especially, he said, "My my place in heaven is secured." You know, he's he's very yeah, moral he's high grounder, and uh, yeah, he's buying his way in. <laughs> he does a lot of stuff besides tobacco, um, but he's particularly annoying on tobacco. And his money is going around the world. It's not just the United States. Oh, yeah. Um, his his tobacco control empire is growing. The sun never sets on Michael Bloomberg's anti-tobacco campaign. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, it's he's un- in Africa. He's in Asia. He's in Europe. He's everywhere. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised or shocked by that in any of that. I mean, it, where there's Bloomberg money, there's, you know, the U.S. misinformation follows. Even... In Australia, uh, yeah. Greg Hunt, the MP there, was saying, oh, youth vaping epidemic in America, and that's why we're going to ban flavors, too. Yeah. The epidemic it's, that's not even happening, much less in your own country. Australia has a, a history of, of um, <laughs> the tobacco controllers in Australia are like crocodiles. They're just... Um, <laughs> They're they're horrible people, and they're just really, you know, uh, what's the word? The word I want to use, I shouldn't I shouldn't say on the internet. It <laughs> what? It's the internet. internet. <laughs> I mean, they're just they're they're very crocodiles. You could just crocodiles. That's what crocodiles. That's where crocodiles we're just is yeah, They're crocodiles. Yeah, I wrote an article about uh, Australian tobacco control once, and the headline was. Um, sharks and crocodiles aren't the most dangerous animals in Australia. <laughs> and it was about Simon Chapman and Mike Daub and that whole crew. Those people are really awful. And um, they, um, they're they allied with Glance closely. Oh, yeah. And um, that's what, you know, they're, they're just people who nothing can ever be good about this. 
everything about it is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you know, most tobacco control people will say, well, if we could just let adults who smoke use these things mm-hmm. and they use them exclusively until they quit all nicotine, then it would be a good thing. If Not they want people. to quit all nicotine. Yeah, no, that isn't what they say. I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you as far as they're going to go, but right. But I mean, the, not the Australian people. They're like, oh no, 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 we need to ban this and they have $200,000 fines and you know, they're just awful. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, yes, it's awful. And I mean, here's, so here's one thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, how did premium cigars kind of get this, uh, this, pass from from the FDA from the PMTA process with we're setting the precedent yeah. where combustion gets a pass but well, vaporizing does does not get a, any so sort of right pass from or extension the beginning with the deeming rule the FDA kind of made it clear that they weren't sure they wanted to include premium cigars we have pathway A and pathway B sure. for regulating <clears throat> premium cigars which they they uh, they define as, I don't know, they have to cost a certain amount and they're hand roll and they're sold individually. So, you know, let's, let's be frank here. I mean, there's not like a Holocaust of people dying from smoking cigars. Sure. Cigars. Sure. So it's not, it may or may not even be a real problem, but um, so it started out like that. And then they, they included them in the deeming role. <clears throat> and then came the lawsuits. And there have been uh, it, probably as many lawsuits from the cigar people against the FDA as from the vaping um, people. Yeah. And um, yeah. so when when we get up right to the end of it, they kind of said that they're going to like, they're going to pass a little bit on cigars for now. And then right after that decision, a court ruled against the FDA and for the cigar people and um, just set aside any um, post-September 9th regulation of premium cigars. So that's where that's where that is right now. Now, most of the cigars wouldn't have required um, pre-market tobacco applications, PMTAs. They would have entered the market as substantially equivalent. Right, substantial equivalent. To existing, to products that were from before the February 15th, 2007 um, grandfather date for the Tobacco Control Act. So any tobacco product that was on the market before February 15, 2007 is grandfathered. Right. They don't have to do anything. Nope. So all, all your favorite cigarettes are grandfathered know, right in. Yeah. And I mean, also lots of cigars, pipes, pipe tobacco, and hookah products. If an e-liquid, uh, if an e-liquid manufacturer can get their whatever five flavors through and it's and they go through the pmta process and it's like this is a whatever they get through the whole process how i mean how difficult is it to prove substantial equivalency if i want to release my banana probably cheesecake only that, probably only that same company can use their products as a predicate for substantial, substantial. really yeah Really? So if yeah. so, now that Icos has a modified risk tobacco product designation, we won't see 
a bunch more heat not burn products proving substantial equivalency because it could only be from like PMI. Right. And there are, by the way, there, there are other um, heat not burn products around, you know, sold in other countries by all the tobacco companies. Um, and I assume some of them are going to try to come here. I'm pretty sure the British American tobacco, which now owns RJ Reynolds, will bring sure. their, their, their things called glow G L O. Ooh, glow. Um, I haven't heard of this. Now, I'm going to like raise right an now. issue here that I don't know anything about. So, um, there's a lawsuit by, um, British American tobacco against, um, PMI Philip Morris international. Yeah. And it has to do with glow and Icos. And I can't even tell you what it's about. If they look but, the exact same. That could be it. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a lawsuit and I don't know what it is. They're challenging um, Icos on, but um, both of those companies, by the way, Reynolds and, and uh, Altria, which used to be called Philip Morris in the United States mm -hmm. um, had primitive heat not burn products way back in like the 80s and 90s. Um, and they were products that you lit with a match, but then didn't burn. They heated but not burned. Um, and they were um, spectacularly unsuccessful. Spectacularly unsuccessful. Well, it People wasn't, you know. They tasted like shit, so... Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've tried an Icos, but uh, yeah, they, 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 they don't taste great. They don't. No, no, they're not. They they're they're definitely um, for all the vapors who hate Icos for some reason. I don't think you have that much to worry about. No, I, I don't think Icos is going to take off in the United States like a lot of people do. And I, it's not that I don't want them to. I would like smokers to like switch on masks. Absolutely. Something safer. But I just don't think it's that good of a product. And, uh, they, you know, it's selling like hotcakes in Japan. And, yeah. But, you know, South Korea as well, from what I've heard. They really yeah, like the yeah. Icos. Yeah. Well, I mean, look. Uh, and the also, Icos... also very popular in Japan, Cheap Trick and Kiss. Oh, yeah. And Kiss. And, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not everything that's big in Japan is necessarily going to be successful everywhere else. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's going to be a certain group of people that might take to Icos. I gave my Icos, I bought an Icos in New Zealand. I got, I bought it strictly just to put it on YouTube and kind of show how, yeah. how it works and talk about harm reduction and things like this. And I gave it to my mailbox guy, John, who had been mm -hmm. trying to quit smoking and quit smoking. And like, I gave him a bunch of disposables and he didn't really like those. And I said, here, you could try this Icos. And I gave him two packs of the heat sticks. He, he loves it. Oh shit. And he can't get them. Yeah. He can't get them, but I gave him like two full packs of the heat sticks and he's been rationing them, but he said he really likes it and it's really helped him. And, and I that's thought, awesome. well shit, there you go. What more, what more do you need? I, I really wish that they would just like make them available everywhere instead of like doing this cagey little yeah test thing. markets now, and little that, stores and I think part of it is they were waiting till tomorrow <laughs> when for their big push uh, yeah I think the original plan was let's just wait till all the vaping stuff's gone and, and then we'll and then we'll and really then we'll, push I don't know maybe not but in any case. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Icos, and if it works for somebody, they should use it. 
Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I just, based on my own personal experience, I didn't think it was that great of a thing. It's not. I mean, you know, if you're a vapor, it's definitely not. If good you're a vapor, it's really a step of down, really step in the wrong off. direction. But if you're a, if you're a chronic smoker, I mean, and I've known mm-hmm. some chronic chronic smokers in my life, especially working at at Starbucks in a manufacturing facility. You know, it's like all the maintenance guys vaped, or all all the maintenance guys smoked. All the you know this whole department smoked. All these smokers, and they were out there every few hours just chain smoking like crazy. That person. I think the Icos is a, is a spectacular fit for. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I'm not rooting against it. I, mm-hmm. I hope like smokers take it up. Also, another thing about Icos that I don't think is talked about very often or possibly at all. Oh. Um, is that I think if Icos got really popular, it would be good for vaping because I think a lot of people using Icos would go, yeah, this is good. Is there anything cheaper that I can, right. is there anything, it's like, does it have any flavors besides this awful tobacco flavor? Yeah. I think that you'll start to have people switch to vaping from Icos. Yeah. And I also think it'll just raise the, raise the awareness about um, Harm reduction. inhaling devices for yep. nicotine. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. I think I don't uh, have a better way of including vaping and Icos in the same term yeah people will graduate graduate from icos to to vaping which is i mean much better yeah (laughs) i I mean all cards on the table much better if nothing else you don't have the stupid little you know heat butts or whatever they're going to call them that you're going to have to throw away and yeah it's messy it's stinky it still smells like, uh, I mean, after I was shooting my review in here and I had used the Icos and I used the Icos on a few other occasions, it smelled, I might as well have just smoked a cigarette in my office. It had that same, like, oh, like lingering funk that you is get. That right? Yeah. I mean, not on the, not on the same scale as like actual combustion, but it still had that, like, if I threw the heat stick, a uh, used heat stick in my trash, it would smell in my office until I took my trash out. Like it was like an ashtray-ish type of type of smell wow yeah it'd be like the old days yeah it's not super pleasant it's not super pleasant so here let me ask you this in fact let me do uh we had a couple super chats pop in that i definitely wanted to read here from uh kevin kevin got a super chat in schwarzenegger yeah uh get to the vapor uh love you guys wish i could have been in dc um, yeah, uh, DC was interesting. I'm going to talk about that in the vlog, uh, next year, no doubt saw some insider guys, got some selfies, totally jealous. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't about selfies, Kevin. It was about, it wasn't about selfies. It was about sending a message. Um, Philip, that's very gracious of you. He just says, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Kevin, again, uh, you need some super chat. Much love. Thanks to Michelle for pointing me to the SOL stream. Yeah. Uh, Tristan's speech hit me hard. They were all really good. Yeah, there were a lot of really good speeches uh, made. I thought Dimitri did a spectacular job at the rally. Um, I thought Greg Connolly did a great job at the rally. I thought Guy Bentley did a great job at the rally. I filmed his speech, and I'm going to be sharing that in the uh, Thursday vlog for a little bit of the news and advocacy uh, segment. But thank you guys for those super chats. If you guys have like any actually ex- like specific questions that you want to get to Jim about the PMTA process, uh, 
I'm sure he'll do his best to answer them. And if you want to send those over in a super chat, uh, you, you can do that that way. One thing that I wanted to ask Mr. Jim McDonald about is uh, people seem to be really uh, torn slash confused on where hardware stands in this. Yeah. RDAs, RTAs, Mac mods, nobody knows. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody knows. It's kind of a big I, question mark. If I, uh, I would be willing right now, and I'm not a rich person, to bet $500 that there's no enforcement against open system hardware for at least a year. At least a year. I don't think there ever will be, but I'm going to say at least a year sure. for the $500 ball. Sure. Um, if it's just too much for them to deal with, they they've got all this e-liquid that's applied. They've had an endless stream of hardware coming in for four years after they said, "Sorry, it's cut off, no more." Right. They've never seen. They've never had any interest in enforcing against it before, unless it was some somehow youth appealing hardware. <laughs> How funny does that sound? Yeah, it sounds ridiculous. ridiculous. Like the caliber, you know, kids love the caliber. Sure. Um, the, you know what? The caliber wouldn't even have gotten a warning letter if they hadn't made that stupid watch. Oh, yeah, the watch. But, you know, they made the, the oh, watch is what the pissed watch. the FDA off. Because you know how much kids like novelty watches. They're all they're all wearing the watches. Anyway, yeah. Um, you know, and so my, my rationale with that, I reviewed that thing, and I thought when I was reviewing this, I thought there is not a, a youth in the world that would be caught dead with this stupid thing. It is dorky and stupid and corny, and there's not a chance they would just get laughed yeah. out out of the out of the cafeteria. Yeah, I agree with you, um, and but that didn't seem to hold them back, so they gave them a warning letter for that and then they threw in the caliburn and something other some other product at the same time um but the the warning letters from the fda for a product you know they're in the the whole enforcement of the fda um again i think that everybody if you're uh if you're selling hardware if you're selling e-liquid mm -hmm. um, whatever you're selling it's not the fda you really have to worry about it's local authorities getting a bug up their ass and deciding to sure to take some action. Sure. Um, the FDA has never shown any interest in going after hardware. And, you know, they, they released their guidance in January with their uh, enforcement priorities. And three of them had a bullet point. And then one of them was like an afterthought, but the bullet point ones were pre-filled, um, pod vapes basically right pod or cartridge based e-cigarette systems yeah cartridge based and, yeah well <laughs> never mind they think it's a thing <laughs> they believe that's a problem and um you know the standalone hardware that doesn't have any liquid in it when it's sold was way down in the in the the afterthought section and i don't think that they're ever going to get to that um if they do, you know, I'll be shocked. But... Yeah, I, I would be. I would be as equally shocked. I think even yeah. with the, just the sheer amount of liquids, how it's going to take. And I keep. I just throw this term out there. It's going to take them a year. It's going to take them a decade. I'm guessing like 
a decade to get through all of this stuff. And then they'd have to what enforce it. And then they'd have to look at, at hardware and say, well, this RDA, this came out in 2019. So we're going to send this company a warning letter. I mean, that's ridiculous. There's no way that the government moves that efficiently. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think by the time the FDA uh, um, shows their hand as far as what they're going to do in the future, so either one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to, in some reasonable length of time, come out and approve some open system product, meaning e-liquid. Sure. Flavor? Bottled e-liquid. E well, hopefully a flavor. But they're either going to do that or they're going to make it very clear that they're not approving any of that stuff, in which case, hello, black market. Mm -hmm. And when I say black market, um, people, you know, people have the idea that oh, the black market's going to be all like people selling out of their trunk and stuff like that. Sure. I'm sure some of that's going to go on, but mostly what it's going to be is the exact same thing we have right now, right in everybody's face but sure. it'll be illegal. Right, but it'll be illegal. But there's no possible way to stop it if everybody just continues on as they are. Yeah. Well, and I you mean... Know that's like a... Again, if you're the guy who has the lease coming up, I don't know what to tell you, but the black market isn't going to be any... You know, I mean, Nick, there's people on Twitter selling pot. Yeah, people on Snapchat. I mean, that's they how... They that's their phone it's... number in tweet. Yeah, that's where here's uh, my phone number. This evolved. That's where this whole evolve thing started. As you see tweets and you see things on Snapchat and Instagram of like, you know, oh, I got a new shipment of dank vapes and hit me up. Here's my burner phone number. And, it's, and even while that was going on, and now that's still happening. And you know, they're on all social media. If if that can go on just right in the open in plain sight, I don't think people are going to get that upset about e-liquid no i don't think it's going to happen and i i just don't i just don't see like the giant hammer of the law coming down on everybody who's who's selling e-liquid yeah i don't picture that either so you know vape shops aren't going to all be closed tomorrow e-liquid will not suddenly be gone tomorrow rdas no. and hardware won't suddenly be gone tomorrow i don't think so a lot of it no. is going to carry on like it has been <laughs> i mean we don't know for sure maybe maybe the fda will send you know stormtroopers out to to two dozen vape shops tomorrow and you know start throwing stuff in the trash start roughing them up i don't think, I don't think they will but you know they're gonna like i say we're gonna find out pretty soon what their intentions are I don't think I agree with Matt Culley who said they have to let some stuff onto the market. Because right. They, it's, yeah. They have to rubber stamp some things. It's just too big. You can't, you can't have something, some subculture as large as this. And it's not just a subculture. It's a, it's a health thing too. People believe sure. they're saving their own lives. Sure. And whether they are or aren't, I think they are, but whether they are or aren't, you can't just like jerk that out of their hands and expect no response in the form of a black market right under uh, a resistance 
that pushes back hard against those unjust rules. Yeah. Well, well because, and, and I mean, this is one of the lessons of history and time uh, is prohibition. I don't know that it's uh, been a successful thing really ever. It never worked. The, you know, like there have been, um, you know, like small countries with uh, kings that hated smoking and, and threatened to chop people's heads off if they were caught smoking and they kept smoking. Yeah. So it's just not, <laughs> it's just not uh, doable. And, yeah. you know, we know how, how capital P prohibition worked here in the 1920s, you know, oh, it, yeah. it created the mafia. Yeah. Or it, <laughs> it took the mafia from being like a, like a small thing within Italian communities and made it into what we call organized crime. Yeah. Bootleggers. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, organized crime exploded. People kept drinking. Um, a lot of people died from drinking poisonous stuff, or, you know, bathtub gin. Yeah. Ab uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's not unlike to me, that's not unlike what happened with Ivali and the black market THC cartridges that were appearing in places where it was illegal. Yeah. In states where they had no cannabis, you know, that it was only prohibition. Uh, that's where these black market cartridges were popping up. That's what, most of them. Yeah. Although, you know, in California that 80% of the pot produced goes into the black market. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Well, the California, you know, the California cannabis, it, it's so, uh, mm. Overregulated, and there's so much bureaucratic red tape that, uh, yeah, black market Super cannabis expensive. outsells uh, dispensary purchased cannabis like crazy in this state. Yeah, and you know, even if you have a well regulated market, let's say we have uh, national legalization of cannabis, which is coming. It's it's coming. Yeah, some definitely. Um, but even if you have that, there's still going to be a black market and an underground because there are certain groups that won't be able to get the legal, for example, people under 21. Yeah, I started yeah. when I was 15. I don't know about you, but sure. Seventh grade for me, you know, it was a big yeah, year for me. I started smoking cigarettes and pot. So at the same time, at the same time, at the same time, the same week just happened. Oh, Jim's frozen, frozen. How you doing over there, Jim? I think it uh, completely froze this this uh, Zoom call. That's okay. That's fine. That's fine. Jim's just completely frozen. Here, I'm going to kick him back out. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll kick Jim out for now. And we'll try to uh, sort through this. I know I promised no dangle clacks, but... Uh... <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to see if he can jump back in the Zoom call. I'm going to see if he can jump back in the Zoom call. But uh, yeah, it, it's the PMTA even. Like we were saying, uh, vape shops aren't going to be closed tomorrow. Hardware's not going to be gone tomorrow. E-liquid's not going to be gone tomorrow. This is going to be a long, drawn-out process. I think it's going to take, you know, the... Uh, I think it's going to take the FDA much longer than they think it's going to take. Yeah, it must have been the FDA that shut him down, Dave. Might have been the FDA. I'm going to tell him to jump back in. Oh, his internet cut out. Oh, he's got to reset his router. 
Oh, his internet cut out. Okay. Uh, jump back in the Zoom when you can. Bro. With an H. No, just bro normally. Uh, I think it's going to take... I think it's going to take FDA uh, an exorbitant, exorbitantly long amount of uh, amount of time to get through all of these applications. And like we were talking about hardware, I don't think hardware is going to be uh, I don't think hardware is going to be enforced uh, in any capacity. Let me do a couple of these. Uh, let me do a couple of these super chats here while we're waiting for uh, Jim to come back because there is a few more things I wanted to touch on. Jim Bubba. That's very gracious of you. Uh, this is a question for Jim. I'll, I'll do my best to answer it. If not, we'll wait for Jim to get back on here. Uh, do you think the PMT action will have any effect on youth vaping numbers, or do you think the FDA will claim they solved the epidemic now? It, 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 here, here we go. We can ask him right here. Uh, your audio is back. Right now, we just have your beautiful face. Hey, there he is. Yeah, I know you're all waiting for my face. Yeah, that's that's the most important part, Jim. So um, I haven't had a haircut since last December. That's fine. And I just You're realized allowed. the other day that I look exactly like Steve Bannon. <laughs> Stop that! Don't, don't don't say that. Come on now. I'm his twin. Um, I had a super chat here question actually from Jim Bubba for you, uh, Jim McDonald. Um, and he okay. asked, do you think this PMT action will have any effect on the youth vaping numbers? Or do you think the FDA will claim they solved the epidemic? Oh, that's that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question that we don't have an answer to. I think that the youth vaping numbers are going to be so screwed up for this year and next because of COVID. Right. Um, because of schools being closed. And- you know. They're going to say, like, if youth vaping drops this year, they're going to say, well, that's because all the kids were home. Now that they're going back to school, you know, it's it's going to, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. The kids are all going to be, they're going to vape twice as much because they couldn't get it. Because they couldn't get it. Or whatever. Uh, But I I don't know. It You know, and but it didn't stop the, you know, didn't the CDC do the uh, youth risk behavioral study as well just to get some yeah, but those, those surveys were done last year oh okay so this is yeah. pre-lockdown like pre-quarantine covid quarantine right the wow. the survey period for the national youth tobacco survey is in spring it's in uh, april i believe and very few schools were going this april so yeah very few schools were going this april yeah. Well, so I don't know what's going to happen with them this year. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting but question. They, you're right. They may very well claim that the PMTA put We fixed end. it. We ended, yeah. They ended youth vaping. Thanks, FDA. It all it took it, was it, burdensome regulations. It was that Caliburn all along. <laughs> it was the Caliburn all along. Well, not according to Scott Gottlieb. You know, Scott Gottlieb yeah. has remained steadfast in that he, he said this is squarely a jewel issue. He called open vapor systems contraptions that adults use. He's been laser focused on that this is just a jewel issue. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I, I think a lot of people hate Scott Gottlieb, and I kind of do too. Yeah, I kind of do. Uh, but. You're never going to get another FDA commissioner that um, 
sees vaping the way Gottlieb did. So yeah, he, he, he had a lot of bullshit ideas, especially about Jewel, but uh, he also had some respect for the idea of having products for adults to use. Right. Um, and that's, that's about the most you're ever going to get from an FDA commissioner. And I don't think you're ever going to get that again. That was the most nuance yeah. I've seen from an FDA commissioner regarding vaping. Uh, but he even exactly went on to say right. infuriating things like, yes, this can be an off-ramp for smokers into a less harmful alternative to cigarette smoking, but that's not going to be worth it if all these youths are using it. Then we're going to oh, have, yeah. it's like, if you guys can't play nice, then no one gets to do it. Yeah, that's bullshit. And, yeah. you know, uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. My favorite thing that he that is after, you know, after he quit, he started saying, it's too bad the FDA can't sort of separate the open system products and vape shops from yeah. the, uh, it's, it's too bad. You couldn't have one regulatory path for this stuff too bad. and another <laughs> Gee, If only somebody if only. was FDA commissioner who could do that, mm-hmm. you know, Ah shucks. Just what a missed opportunity that was. Yeah. Maybe next time, <laughs> maybe next time. Uh, I had another. I was, I was expecting um, Trump to fire Alex Azar and put Gottlieb in the HHS job, but didn't uh, happen. I don't think that would have been all bad for us. No, I think it would have been good. I think it would have been good for us. I had another super chat question here from uh, John. How are you doing, John? Uh, he asks if the black market flourishes, will big name brands still produce e-liquid? So Ooh. if Keep It One Hundred or uh, Naked hasn't got their PMTAs in and their black market yeah. now, are they still going to be producing e-liquid? Oh, that's really tough. That's I think tough. any company that's large enough to be like really on the radar. Um, so here's a, there's a couple things going on here. This is something I talked to uh, Amanda Wheeler about and you know, what she said, which I agree with is that, you know, if you're going to submit a PMTA, then you need to be prepared for it to be denied. And that probably means yeah. you're not going to have a future yeah. after that. That's rough. Um, she didn't put it in those words, but I'm, I'm, I'm interpreting. So if she's in the chat, she can correct me, but, but basically you're on the radar once you, once you're in, you're in the system, you're on the radar, you've committed to um, complying with FDA rules and it makes it a little tough mm-hmm. to go back and say, oh no, we're not like going along with that. But yeah. uh, but I don't know. I mean, a lot of these companies, by the way, that the bigger companies like Naked and um, um, Halo. Yeah. And, well, I know um, Halo's got some PMTAs that they've submitted as well for yeah. some of their tobacco flavors. Yeah. A lot of those companies sell liquid in Europe um, and the UK and they're, um, they're probably not looking to get like crushed by the FDA and wiping out that business too. Yeah. So I think that there are, I think companies that can survive selling overseas um, would probably choose to do that rather than 
try to make a go sure. on the black market using using those uh, brands anyway. Right, the same brands. And, yeah, and if you if they do that, you know this fight isn't ending tomorrow. Right. right. Um, we're going to keep at this until it it's reversed, and you know the pot people fought a hard fight for 30 years yeah much longer <laughs> yeah and their product was a schedule one drug yeah so i you know ethan nadelman would tell us is you guys got it easy yeah <laughs> and you know it's kind of true it's a it's the uh, it's the second or third most popular drug in the world and um nicotine and it's not going anywhere. No. And we're not going anywhere. No. Um, and it's going to be really sad for the small businesses that get, you know, caught in the in the ringer here. Yeah. But, caught got caught in the um, shitstorm. But vaping itself is not going away. No, it can't. It can't possibly. And this is something I've been talking about forever. Is it's it's too big. It's too global. Yeah. Too many people vape. And like Dimitri said, at the end of the day, vaping works. It just works. And you can't, I mean, you can downplay all the numbers you want. You can say, you know, you can lie and you can say that only kids are doing it and that adults aren't doing it. Not, that's not true because it works. And there's yeah. millions, millions of vapors. Millions of vapors. I had a, a super chat here from Mr. Southern Comfort. Appreciate you being here. The problem is there's nothing to fear about vapors except them voting for the other guy, which no person will do. We should fight like it's war. Goes on to say, the way that gun owners fight when you talk about taking their rights. Been gearing up my black market uh, and it will decimate all before it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, there's plenty of parallels to draw between Second Amendment people, cannabis people, and vapors. Yeah, it'd be nice if we had a um, uh, a constitutional right to vape, but yeah. Well, do we have a we constitutional? Don't. Well, we do have a constitutional right to life. I mean, it's the first one. And liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Ranger yes, man, Nick, right? We have those rights, but so what? <laughs> but so what? Yes. <laughs> Technically, yes. Uh, Ranger Man in with a super chat. I want to see a debate between uh, a vape advocate and an opponent on a neutral platform like a modern day debates channel. Uh, look, yeah, that I, I, would be great. I, that would be fantastic. I would nominate, uh, I don't know, Jim McDonald, maybe no. uh, Greg Conley. Sure. You could get Greg, Greg Conley's Conley. a good show. Greg Conley up on that what? debate stage. You know who the best person would be to represent vaping in a debate? Um, Clive Bates. Would be Clive Bates, one. yeah. Clive Bates, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Clive Bates. He, he just he just crushes the opponent. Yeah. Um, you know, if you get a chance, go on YouTube. Just search the name Ethan Nadelman, mm -hmm. and you will find a lot of old YouTube videos from the '90s where Ethan debated anti-pot people on various oh really shows. oh that's yeah. fascinating yeah oh and they're fun to watch do you remember crossfire uh, um, oh yeah yeah crossfire yeah cnn had this half hour long show where crossfire they had some yeah about an issue and 
two people would debate it and then Pat Buchanan would laugh at them, you know, but whatever. <laughs> um, there were some of those where Nadelman um, debated, very, you know, various people, but, you know, anti-drug people. And, you know, that's exactly what I'd like to see. You need to have the general public hearing the other side about vaping, but yes. not in a 30-second segment where the anchor is trying to, you know, ask gotcha questions. Yeah, It needs to be in, a, in an open format where they can go back and forth and everything gets said. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's that, just that going to be... be uh, I would love that. I think it's just going to be really difficult to do in this age of just the news cycle moves so fast. People aren't willing to read an entire article. Even, you know, people want that 30 second clip. That's all they want. And and they want it in, in such a way that it's like just the most cut and dry, like good, bad that, you know, that's I think all you're right. But I think there's also, um, I think we're, I think we're on the verge of the TV news program is changing again. They've changed many times, by the mm -hmm, way. Mm -hmm. um, because you've got these 24-hour news channels and they just repeat the same stuff every half hour. It's yep. the same things, the same clips endlessly. There's lots of room to put in some shows there that are long format things with, um, they don't want to spend money. So they don't want to have to go and hire producers and like build a long story and all that. Sure. They don't do that very often anymore, but having um, just a show where two people sit down and yell at each other is cheap. Yeah. And just yell at each other. I think that, well, I mean, it, it won't be just yelling at each other, but right. you know, they could, hopefully they'll look at it that way and that's why they'll want it on. Yeah. But I think that there's, I think some stuff like that maybe will start happening. I think there's room for that. Hey, look, let's do it. Let's start it, Jim McDonald. Nick, because the political bit debate now is so nuanced, and you know everybody has such you know careful opinions. That yeah, uh, careful opinions is yeah. a good way to put it. Uh, I had That's a super not. chat here from Anthony. Uh, Anthony Ramella, very gracious of you. He says, "A big fan, Mr. McDonald. Uh, do you think they will use banks to shut down e-liquid companies?" Deposits would not be covered by FDIC, kind of like cannabis. Thanks for taking the time to be on the show. How do you, what are your thoughts on that? That seems like a that, that seems like a scary dystopian future that I don't want to deal with. That's just a really gruesome idea. Yeah, um, I, I suppose that could happen. I don't know. Um, I, I I I don't know. I don't I don't see that happening. Right? You know, there's already. Uh, a problem of the financial system screwing with uh, with vaping. Um, vape shops have a hard time getting insurance. They mm -hmm. have um, a hard time with credit card processors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and all those things could be used um, if ants groups wanted to take advantage of that to uh, put their thumbs on this industry further. Um, it's a legitimate fear. I hadn't thought about um, actual banking as a weapon against vaping, but it could happen. Yeah. Uh, Danielle Jones makes a good point in the chat and says uh, she thinks they'll use payment processors first, which, like you said, and like I've dealt with, I think everybody who's opened up a shop or an online retail, card processors are the hardest things to get. Uh, and it's because it's nicotine and it's whatever. It's high risk. Uh, yeah. It's already difficult to get 
I suppose they could, you know, turn the screws and make it harder. Don't give him any ideas, Anthony Ramella. Come on. You know, the thing is, the thing about this, I don't think that's something the FDA would do, but I, I wouldn't put it past, you know, campaign for tobacco free kids pushing that. Oh the, yeah. There's a, there's a related, it's not really related, but it sort of works along the same lines. We were talking about the vape mail ban, or maybe we weren't talking about it, but we talked about it before the show. Sure, sure. Um, there's there's a CASA call to action that everybody yes. should sign. Yeah. So I get messages pretty frequently when I talk about that from vape shop people who say, no, no, uh, mail order, um, you know, online ordering of vaping problems is uh, vaping products is the problem. That's a that's a big problem, and they some of them. Now I'm not saying all vape shops by any means, but these people who contact me are very uh, have a very strong opinion that they should not be supporting um, maintaining online sales of vaping. Well, let me tell you, if the if the worst thing happens here and vape shops are targeted for enforcement and online ordering is banned, then what? Yeah, then, yeah, then where does that get you? Then what? Then you are going to be like buying it out of the trunk of a car at the Walmart parking lot. Yeah, literally. You're literally going to be doing that. Um, had a super chat here from It's Napkins. Welcome, It's Napkins. Uh, joining the stream late. Uh, how many juices do you think we will see gone after this PMTA? Any news on the New York ban being lifted by any chance? Uh, do we have a better chance of gun laws being, or do we have a better chance of gun laws being lifted? Um, I haven't heard anything about the New York ban, uh, literally nothing other than it failed and then it went through, uh, and now it's it's just through. It's just, that's it. Yeah. Flavor ban in New York. As far as how many juices do you think we'll see gone after this PMTA? I don't know if Jim can can speak to that. I I, I, I mean, uh, there are a lot of companies that are just pulling out that are just saying, ah, we're done. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen it happen. Vape Wild uh, pulled out. Uh, Freeman just pulled yeah. out, sent out an email and said, sorry, we're, we, we, we can't do this anymore. Uh, we're having a big, big kind of blowout sale. Yeah, there's quite a few doing that. And, um, you know, I can't put a number to it. There's a lot of the companies that are pulling out are smaller companies that really ha are dealing with their long-term customers. Sometimes they're just like a shop that manufactures or mm -hmm. um, it's an online one. That's not like a big name that's sold in vape shops and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's, there's quite a few of those that are going to quit. Um, and I, I can't blame those people for not like, you know, I'm saying rah, rah, stay in business. If it doesn't make sense to do, you shouldn't do it. But I don't think that anybody's going to force you out of business if you don't do it yourself. Immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's hard to stay in business when you, when you're saying one more month, one more month, one more month. Yeah. You know, it's tough. It is. Yeah. But look, but, but I think they could keep doing it if they wanted to. Uh, and I mean, it's on, you know, at the same, like we were talking about earlier, you can't blame them for f feeling that fear and pulling out of it nope. and just, you know, going, Oh shit. Like maybe we're in over our head or this is too much, or this is too much regulation. And I think a big part of it is the FDA. Maybe they're kind of counting on that a little bit. Oh yeah. I, th I think so. Well, that was the whole point of the deeming rule 
was to make it such a such a horrible prospect. I call it the shock and awe regulation. Yeah. You know, they made it so horrible that nobody would even try to yeah. go through the PMTA. Yeah. You know, so all these little companies that are doing it anyway, you know, screw you, FDA. You're going to have to tell us that, no, your company is going to have to go out of business. Your employees are going to have to be fired. Yeah. Because we just don't think that you're suitable to be sold next to these cigarettes. Yeah, next to these combustible tobacco cigarettes. <laughs> um, I had a super chat question here from John. Oh, John's bringing in some uh, political component to this. He says, how do you both feel about the Libertarian Party tweeting positively about the vaping industry and condemning the actions of FDA and the Trump administration? You ready to get political, Jim McDonald? Uh, uh, sure. I don't have any... I mean, it's kind of to be expected, I guess, from the Libertarian Party. They're the, the they're the Libertarian Party. Um, I feel yeah. like they're going to be anti-regulations. I don't think that the Libertarian Party really uh, understands vaping or necessarily cares about vaping. I think the Libertarian Party is more just anti-regulation, and they can kind of see that how silly these regulations are. And I think that's the stance that they're taking. Yeah, and and fair enough. That's their that's their whole gig is the, you know we just don't believe in in regulation or, um, you know things that restrict your personal liberty. Yeah. Um, you know, good for them, and I, I fully support their one and a half to two percent of voters that yeah, choose them. Yeah, the, the the few percentage of voters that will choose them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I and I I always say on this program I. Don't, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm just going to tell you to vote your hopes. That's all. Only going to tell you to vote your hopes. Yeah. I don't think that the presidential election matters. I mean, is going to make much of a difference for vaping. It's local elections that are going to make a difference. Yeah, I think you so too. You should be like, you should be talking to the candidates for city council and your state legislators. Yeah. Because those are the people who are going to whack you with, with laws that, you know, put your, your vape shop out of business and stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's really not the president. And I don't think, you know, there's a lot of talk about like Biden said something about vaping. Well, yeah, he, he thought did. they were talking about Valley. So that's just a, you know, that's kind of a joke. Biden is going to be like a good Democrat and leave it up to the FDA. He's sure. going to say, sure. let the FDA take care of it. Sure. They're the ones who know the science, so leave it to the FDA. And the FDA is taking care of it now, so that's, <laughs> that's right. And not and much is going to change. What Trump is going to do? Because once Trump is elected again, he won't ever need your vote. Right. So that's what we were talking about earlier. He was ready to ban flavors before he thought that vapors would vote for him. Right. So I don't. I don't. You know. I don't. You think he's going to like go to bat for vaping once he doesn't need your vote? when his wife is in his ear saying these jewels are killing all the children. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't, I don't know, know, but nobody does. I don't, I mean, he's leaving it up to the FDA now. Why do we think he's going to do something different? Yeah. I mean, and this is what I said on Twitter is he, he's had time. He did nothing. Yeah. He had the he chance. Had four years, two he's of those had... years, he had Republicans in the house and the Senate. Yeah. Running Still the house nothing. and the Senate. He's had four years. If it was an issue 
that Republicans really cared about, it would have been taken care of. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't get me going. I'm not a Republican, by the way. I'm on the left. Uh, yeah. You know, so so you can take my opinion as you choose. But I write fairly about politics as far as vaping goes. Yeah. Um, you know, I beat up on Democrats when they deserve it, and I beat up on Republicans when they deserve it. Yeah, as you and, should. Uh, yeah, and I it's it's this is my issue, but I'm not a single issue voter either. So, you know, I, if I'm voting for president. I'm thinking about the whole country, all the things that are happening and weighing all that stuff. Yes. I'm not just voting based on vaping. And I don't think I could because I don't think it matters which one I vote for as far as vaping goes. Because they're just going to leave it in the hands of the FDA regardless. My advice to you is to choose the candidate vote your hopes. on everything else because I don't think they're going to do anything. For vaping. Vote your hopes. That's what I say. Vote your hopes. Southern comfort. Uh, I'm just saying, Essie, I'm just saying Dems start talking about taking guns. Me and 10 million people just like me are going to come together over it. They're talking about taking vaping and nobody is doing anything. And it pisses me off. No rights left. I mean, I agree with some of the things that you said there, Southern Comfort. I definitely, and look, I've said this before. I'm a freedom guy. I want everybody to have as much freedom as you possibly can. I think when the government gets involved that's when things tend to become worse. And I think that the more government gets involved in your life, the, the worse off you're going to be personally. That's just where I stand. But uh, l let's bring this back around to, we've been going for a good hour and 45 minutes here. So let's start wrapping this up here, Jim McDonald. Uh, two All things right. I wanted to touch on. Uh, Azar promised us some streamlined PMTAs or a streamlined process of some sort. And that just kind of yeah. never came to fruition. I mean, he said it, it came out of his mouth and it kind of has never come to fruition. Are we just well, left high maybe, and dry with secretary Azar? Maybe um, the work that uh, Amanda Wheeler and other people have been doing talking to the HHS and getting the HHS to pressure the FDA, mm -hmm. it, I believe what you know what she told me was the instruction from HHS to FDA was don't wipe out all these small businesses, but stick as close to your guidance as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, no big job there, um, but <laughs> uh, you know, I think that that's probably the best you're going to get from Azar if it came from Azar. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that. Um, well, first of all, the deadline's tomorrow at four o'clock, so they better hurry up. They're gonna reform the PMTA process. Yeah, get us the streamlined PMTA process. I mean, look, stranger things have happened, right? There's not much. The, yeah, <laughs> not the probability. Much, not much would be stranger than that. The probability is very low, <laughs> very very low that yeah. tomorrow Azar is gonna come out and say, "Here's the streamlined process." open vapor systems, you have another year to go through this streamlined process. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, um, I don't think so either. And I think that the fact that the FDA has made public comments now to the effect that they will give leeway to small companies to turn in incomplete applications, I don't think there's going to be PMTA reform 
but that alone is a massive thing. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know if we can credit the Trump administration for that or not, but if it came from HHS to FDA and FDA is doing this because of that, then you do have to do it. But what you should really do is start raising money to build a statue to of Amanda Wheeler to put somewhere. <laughs> I mean, she's really the hero in all this. Yeah. If there is a hero. Definitely Amanda Wheeler. We got uh we got one more super chat here. Question for you. How will this affect modders like Kennedy uh, and Aspen Modco? I think we touched on this a little bit when we were talking about hardware. What do you say? Very little, Jim? I don't think that it will affect it at all. I don't yeah. think so. Also included in the deeming uh, rule are pipes and pipe tobacco. Mm -hmm. If you think that people who are like hand carving pipes are going to get the door knocked on by the FDA tomorrow, sure. it's not going to happen. No. People making like craft level things for basically individual sale to people, not large mass manufactured factory produced products will probably never hear a word about this. Yeah. I really doubt it. I really doubt it. Yeah. I really doubt that too. I think hardware, like we talked about earlier in general, I think, uh, yeah, but especially modders, it's just yeah. such a, it would be such a, such a, you know, it's such a niche thing, anyway. thing for the FDA to, yeah. to crack down on somebody who's making mods or atomizers at that small level. Yeah. At that small level. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I don't think there was anything else. One thing I wanted to mention is uh, you mentioned this in your article about uh, the best way that we can help vape vendors and vape shops is to avoid uh, panic buying. Yeah. Uh, which I know you people are going to do. You don't need to go do. out and spend $1,000 on juice tomorrow. Yeah. Just, just keep buying from your regular retail. Matt Culley said... Support your local vape shop. Give them a good reason to stay in business. I yeah. mean, and that's it. They just want to see that you're going to keep coming in and be a regular customer. Yes. The panic buying is really bad. It happened in 2016. Yep. A lot of people like stocked up in a big way. And then there was a big lull and a lot of vape shops closed because there, there was just nobody yeah. coming in. Buying. Everybody's got their stockpile of juice. They're not regularly buying liquids. Yeah. And there was, there was also kind of that at the same time, there were the, all these discount uh, liquids coming in and um, taking business away from vape shops, which makes them hate the online sellers. But really that's a matter of people just being scared and trying to buy the thing that's cheap enough that they can get a lot of it. So. Right. Right. And as uh, far as. Know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to, I didn't want to cut off your thought. Because uh, I was going to go somewhere else with it, but as far as DIY goes, I didn't even include anything about DIY. I, I don't think it's on the FDA's radar, and I think we'll see some. <coughs> sorry, some signal in advance if they're going to do something about DIY. You'll start seeing some kind of enforcement of imports of nicotine or sure. Really, it's just nicotine that's an issue. They can't do anything with flavors. Right. So, and PG and VG are used widely in many different industries. That's yep. never going to run out. It's really just nicotine that be 
an issue and there doesn't seem to be any issue yet. Plus, um, nicotine sellers are still going to be selling to legal companies. Mm -hmm. They're still going to be selling to the pharmaceutical industry. There's still going to be nicotine coming in. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not illegal in Canada. And, you know, everything that's made in China is going to be available. Promise you. Yep. Everything that's sold from China is going to be available. It's yeah. It's just not going to go away. Yeah. Readily. Sorry. I, I wanted to mention that because I don't think I, we mentioned this Facebook group that I wrote about. No. There's a, a private Facebook group that's been um, helping small vendors create PMTAs that they think are going to get through. Sure. And they're sure. all. They're all based on the plan that Azim and Amanda put together originally. Uh-huh. But there's all these people who are just amazing and they're just, you know, working like hornets to get this stuff done by tomorrow for maybe hundreds of companies. I don't know what the final number is going to be, but you've got um, Char Owen, who's a vape shop owner in Texas and yep. also a liquid maker, and Skip Murray from Minnesota, who's, yep. you know, she's been around for a long time and Skip, is a yeah. major advocate for vaping. And then the people from Safada, uh, Lindsey Stroud and um, some others who are yeah. all part of that group. And they're all just working to give these small vape shops and vape and e-liquid manufacturers a chance. Um, and it's really something. I got messages from some small companies saying, if it wasn't for that Facebook group, we'd be going out of business on September 9th. Yeah. But now, you know, we have hope and, you know, it's really a, it's really quite a thing that these people do and it's a private group. So nobody else can see it except yeah. the people who are doing it. Yeah. And well, they're sort of thing. like secret heroes of vaping. Um, if any of those applications that those companies put in get approved, you know, that would just be amazing. Yeah. Look, I agree. And look, rebellions are built on hope, you know? I mean, that's at least that's what Star Wars taught me. (laughs) Rebellions are built on hope. Well, uh, we've been going strong for damn near two hours now, Jim McDonald. But uh, thank you for coming by, for being on the stream, for uh, bestowing some knowledge upon us about the PMTAs. it's, It's not the end of the world right now. There's a lot of stuff up in the air. There's enforcement up in the air. Uh, there's yeah. there's so much stuff up in the air. Um, yeah, if you're a if you're a business owner and you're really worried about tomorrow, I just want to remind you the steps the FDA has to go through before they do anything serious to your business. They're going to send you a letter. Sure. Then they're going to send you another letter. Yes. Then they're going to send you another letter. Uh, yes, and then they're going to start another process that doesn't really do anything. Most of the time, when they send a letter, people um, either respond or don't respond, and then never hear another word from the FDA. So, it's not the FDA; it's your local, um, your local municipalities and states that you have to worry about. Keep an eye on them. Join your state association. Yep. Um, Join CASA and follow calls to action. Definitely. You'll always see this stuff coming before it hits you if you're watching. And everybody should be watching. Yeah, everybody's watching. Well, I'll try to get as many people watching as possible. But yeah, like Jim said, local stuff uh, is going to be ramping up. Join CASA, follow the calls to actions. 
And yeah, yeah. we just we, we we keep it going. We keep the fight going as best we can. Uh, we're going to be fighting for, you know, probably 10 more years. Yeah, at least. I mean, look, if it took cannabis straightened out. 30 plus years, uh, I think we've got maybe a little bit of a head start. Maybe 10, yeah, 15 yeah. years. Maybe 10, 15 years. I think we're in the 1990 stage where cannabis was in 1990. Yeah. Which was, you know, if you could, if you were around in 1990 and you could look ahead, you probably wouldn't have known that in less than 10 years you'd have medical cannabis legalized in California. Right. <laughs> right. But I think that we're, but that's where we are now. We're going to see a tipping point in the future where things start going our way. And I hope everybody hangs around for that because it's going to be an awesome time. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, like I said, rebellions are built on hope. I'll take all the hope we can get. So, uh, I have hope. I have hope, I have hope too, Jim McDonald. Go ahead and stay on the zoom call. I'm going to just going to take us out right here, but thank you, Jim, for stopping right. by for being here. Uh, really appreciate it. Jim McDonald, everybody, Jim McDonald. I'm going to have a link, uh, to some of his, Anytime. some of his propaganda over there on vape and 360. We're going to link to his Twitter as well. It's a great Twitter account to follow. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just going to take us out. Jim McDonald, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a pleasure being here. Thank you for being here. And uh, thank you guys all for being here. We did run a little long, but I'm going to have some links down in the description to, like I said, some of Jim's articles from Vaping360, as well as his Twitter, as well as the Keep Vape Mail Legal CASA call to action, as well as information on the You Don't Know Nicotine premiere. It's happening. One more time in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I can't believe it. We've been waiting. Uh, we've been waiting an awful long time for this. So, thank you guys, seriously, so much for coming out. Um, the, there, there'll be a replay of this. There'll be the, the podcast version of this as well up on GrimGreen.com at some point soon. But remember that no matter what anybody tells you, vaping is at least ninety-five percent less harmful than burning deadly combustible tobacco cigarettes. It's not the end of the world, you guys. And as always, let's keep on vaping. Be excellent to each other, guys. Peace.